The disciples were guilty by association with a man who had promised to turn the world upside down, but he was gone. Their hopes and dreams seemed to lie in pieces. The very last thing on their mind was wandering out of the safety of their little sanctuary to make themselves known as his followers. I wonder, do you know how that feels? Has the prison door of fear locked up your Christian witness? Has fear of ridicule silenced you so that you dare not speak the name of Jesus? Has fear of persecution prevented you from being known as his disciple when you know full well in your soul that the Spirit is saying, speak, live, do? Has fear of leaving your comfort zone held you back from really stepping out in faith? Or worse, have you lived with these sorts of fears so long in your life that you can't imagine life without them anymore? Maybe that they will always have the last word. You know, coming to seminary can be a step of faith, but it can also be a way of hiding. As a teacher of mission and evangelism, I'm going to be bold and say that I know what the, the problem is um, for us all in pursuing a life of radical discipleship and witness. Um, it's not lack of teaching. You know, well, it could be. But if that was the problem, easily solved. Come to Asbury, take a course, and then go and change the world. It's not lack of training, I don't think. It's fear. That's the problem that we've got. With all the teaching and training in the world, fear can still hold us back. We know what we need to do. You know what you need to do. If you're in any way drawing close to Christ through the power of the Spirit and he's moving in your heart, you know what you need to do. The problem is, we just don't do it. Why? Because so often we're afraid. Father, pour out your Holy Spirit, we pray. Conquer our fear. We confess to you all of those times in our lives when we have known, been equipped, and still failed to follow you for fear of the world. Will you do your work in us this morning, we pray, to set us free and send us out so that we might actually sing those hymns and it might actually make a difference in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. No doubt the disciples were listening fearfully for the sound of footsteps at the door and perhaps a knock. They were expecting the rap on the door and a barging in and to be... Uh, for the authorities to come and drag them out and possibly they've got their heads in their 
hands and their hands buried down in their knees. They're afraid. They're praying. They don't hear anything at the door, but what they do hear are suddenly words from their midst. Because Jesus doesn't need to open the door. He walks in, (laughs) stands in the middle of them, and he says, peace be with you. They heard those words. But more than that, as they began to glance up, they would see his hands, his nail-pierced hands, and they know he's back. And their grief turns to joy. And somehow this gift of faith now wells up within them. They hear a word of peace from a man who is risen from the dead and only a man with nail-pierced hands can stand and tell you there's nothing to be afraid of. Look what they did to me, and I'm back. What are they going to do to you? This is the peace that Jesus had already promised, right? Peace I live with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You see, nothing had changed. Nothing in their circumstances at all, except that Jesus was powerfully known in their midst. That's it. That's all the difference in the world. But you see, there is a certain kind of peace that the world gives. The peace that the world gives encourages us to shut out our fears by shutting ourselves in. That's not the peace that Jesus gives. The peace that Jesus gives is a peace that opens the doors and sends us out. It sets us free from fear. It flings open the doors, sends us out, and can only be given by a man with nail-pierced hands. We have a God who raises the dead. We have a God who raises the dead. But there's an irony, isn't there? The irony is that Jesus, who had been killed and sealed in a tomb, is now risen from the dead and stands in the midst of of men who are as good as dead and sealed in a room. Isn't that that strange? I've never seen it that way before, thinking about this morning. But the same spirit that rolled away the stone from that tomb is now going to fill their hearts and open that door and empower them with the fearless, perfect love that casts out all fear. Why is Jesus there? He's not there to give them some pep talk, you know, like a locker room coach at halftime trying to rally a bunch, a team, you know, when things seem to be going bad. Come on, you can do it. Get your act together. 
Find those, you know, be the right stuff. You know you are. That was my best American accent. I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to do it again. You know, they don't need more teaching or training. They've had three years of the best teaching and training they could get from anyone on the face of the planet. What they need is the promised comforter, the one who would come alongside with strength because fear is only overcoming the power of the Spirit to burst out of those locked doors as Jesus had burst forth from the tomb because here's the gospel Fear does not have to have the last word in your lives or mine. What does Jesus do? He breathes on them. I don't know if you've ever been so full of fear. You know, it constricts the chest, doesn't it? It can cause you to curl up in a ball. I've known real fear in my life. I've been curled up in a ball on my bed out of fear about what the day is going to bring. Never mind locked in behind closed doors. I've been just under the covers, I mean, you know? I have been in that place of praying, Lord, I do not even want to put one step outside of this bed unless you are with me in power because I don't know how else I'm going to see this day through. Constricted with fear. And then Jesus comes along and breathes. And those fear-constricted lungs suddenly are filled with a new kind of breath, a new kind of strength, the fearless breath of Jesus. Think of Adam, uh, the Lord breathing into the dust of the earth and making new life. Think of Ezekiel prophesying to the wind and it flowing down the, the valley of dry bones and those bones coming to life. His breath brings life out of death, hope in place of fear, victory in place of defeat, longing in place of languishing. Do you need to breathe this morning? Jesus was sent breathing the atmosphere of heaven in his ministry. The presence and the power of the Spirit run through his whole life. I'm a bit slow. I'd read the Gospels over and over again, and, and it, 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 was, it was only relatively recently that I began to see just how intimately woven together the life of, and ministry of Jesus was um, with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. The two are utterly inextricable, you know, in the Gospels. I just wanted to illustrate this. That's where I'm I'm hoping clicker plus things work. Jesus, born of the Spirit, 
The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. You see, the Spirit broods over the womb of Mary just like the Spirit brooded over the unformed uh, world and made a new creation. Jesus is the new creation, born of the Spirit. He is not just born of the Spirit, but filled with the Spirit. The same Spirit came upon Jesus in power at his baptism. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw the heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And the voice came saying, you are my son, with whom I am well pleased. And the Spirit then, of course, led him into the wilderness to face the temptations of Satan. What are the temptations of Satan? To cave into your fears. Find a more certain way. Find some alternative resources to draw upon to get the job done than actually trust in a God in whose power alone we can achieve his ends. He overcame the power of fear in the power of the Spirit to take up his mission. And he is anointed by the Spirit. Jesus returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. In the synagogue, he reads the words of Isaiah that you know only too well. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And it's an anointing that filled him with a passion to see God's kingdom come. He is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus conducted his ministry in the power of the Spirit. Peter explains how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went about doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. It was by the power of the Spirit that Jesus healed the sick, gave sight to the blind, cast out demons, raised the dead, fed the hungry. It was by the power of the Spirit that Jesus proclaimed the kingdom with words, signs, and wonders. And he was strengthened by the Spirit. He faced death the same way that he faced temptation in the power of the Spirit. By the Spirit, we are told in Luke's Gospel, he set his face to Jerusalem. In Hebrews, we learn that it was through the power of the Spirit that he was strengthened in the Garden of Gethsemane and enabled to go the way of the cross. And lastly, He knows the victory of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that brought Lazarus out of the tomb also raised Jesus from the dead. We have a God who raises the dead. That is our gospel. Now, it's the gospel, and this is is what makes my, the hairs on the back of my neck, neck stand on it. Because the same risen Jesus comes and stands amongst us and breathes his spirit upon us. The same spirit that filled his life is now imparted to us. As the Father sent me, so I send you. I'm going to make it work. 
so I send you. I hope I'm not a heretic when I say what's coming next. Somebody will tell me if I am. Um, I think, you see, it's crucial that we understand the mission of Jesus was not made possible by the fact of his divinity. Don't hear what I'm not saying. What I'm not saying (laughs) is that Jesus wasn't fully God and fully man. He absolutely was, and there was something utterly unique about him for all kinds of reasons, and even his ministry was made unique by that fact. But what empowered him to be the person that he was in the flesh, what empowered his mission and his ministry was not the fact of his divinity or some kind of superhumanity. The the power that he had for who he was and what he did comes from the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And why is that crucial? Because you owe mere people in the pew. And me stood here, received that same spirit. Maybe Jesus wasn't kidding when he said, you will do the things I have been doing. And even greater things will you do. As the Father has sent me, I send you. I send you, born of the same Spirit, made alive to God, to his presence, his purpose, and growing in wisdom and grace, filled with the same Spirit, given the Spirit of adoption and a life that cries out, Abba, Father, and an intimacy that knows the Father, as Jesus knew the Father, and an intimacy with the Spirit that moves you day by day, anointed by the same Spirit, filled with the same passion, hungering and thirsting for the kingdom, empowered by the same Spirit with the gifts of ministry, strengthened by the same Spirit against the temptation to forget who you are. To live in fear, but rather take up the way of joyful obedience and surrender our lives in costly discipleship and to live in the victory of the same spirit, to be set free from the powers of fear and death, to live and die for him. Because what can death do? We have a God who raises the dead. And his power is with you and I. Just let the truth of it sink in. If it is true, then there's only two things we need to ask, isn't there? Lord, what are you calling me to do? And breathe on me. Breath of God. Breathe on me. Breath of God. When we think of the gift of the Holy Spirit, Our thoughts are typically and often drawn to the dramatic events of Pentecost, aren't they? And we're nearly there. Fire from heaven, rushing winds, spectacle, crowds of people. And why not pray for that in our gatherings? Come, Holy Spirit, in power. Knock our socks off, Lord. Fill us up. Send us out. Pentecost is coming. Believe it. (laughs) But here's my revelation this morning. 
Jesus was stood in the middle of a small group of disciples. He does not call down fire from heaven or usher in mighty winds. He brings peace and he breathes on them. His love casts out fear. The disciples are filled with joy no matter what. So I've got to get Wesley in here somewhere. Aldersgate Street. Small group of people in a room. When the spirit strangely warms Wesley's heart and he knew with a new revelation, actually not just a revelation, but a revolution, that Jesus died for him and his spirit filled his heart, a spirit of adoption, a spirit of mission that would from there spark a movement that would change the world and cause us to be sat here this morning being offered the same spirit that he knew, that Jesus knew. So why not gather in small groups where you can really share your fears with one another? Not just for mutual sympathy, but to share your fears with one another so that you can together stare them in the face and say, you will not have my life. We have a God who raises the dead. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Jesus, and breathe on me. Open the prison doors and send us out. Lord Jesus, I bless you that you are here with us in power. You are here with nail-pierced hands, breathing the atmosphere of heaven. We come and we surrender our fears for the gift of your perfect love, which is not you loving us from a distance, but filling our souls with the power that raises the dead, casts out all fear, says, fear not, I am with you, always, even to the end of the age, for your glory and in your name, amen. We're going to sing um, again in a moment, a song that's on the bulletin, Um, and if it would be helpful to you, there's an opportunity to receive some prayer. We have oil, which is always a great... In fact, we heard about that in Psalm 23, didn't we? You anoint me with oil. Well, here's an opportunity. If, you would, if it would be helpful for you to have an anointing with oil and a prayer for the fresh infilling of the breath of Jesus this morning, then it would be an honor for us to pray with you. And as we sing this song, if you want to come and receive that prayer, then the altar is 